Well, again, I just wanted to say good morning. Uh, today we're going to be talking about something that's been on my heart a little bit lately, uh, and that is the Christian's ability to love. Uh, how do we love the world around us? Now, I want you guys to imagine for just a second uh, that you are the greatest superhero in the entire world. You're a mixture of Reed Richards, who is Mr. Fantastic, Bruce Banner, who is the Hulk, Tony Stark, who is Iron Man, and Hank McCoy, the Beast from X-Men. These are some of the most intelligent and smart and strong human beings. Well, I guess they're not technically human beings. Some of them are. Tony Stark is. Superheroes in the entire superhero universe. These are like the top of the top. And I want you to picture just for a moment that you are a mixture of all these things. On top of that, you can speak every language and you can predict the future and you can move things with your mind and give everything that you have to serve the world around you, to make sure that the poor and the needy are taken care of, to make sure that the downtrodden are lifted up. I want you to just put yourself in these shoes for a moment. Now I want you to imagine that the person that you want to impress more than anything in the entire world is standing before you. And they look you in the face and they say, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by who you are. I'm not impressed by what you're doing. I'm not impressed by your capabilities. Because as it turns out, you use all of these things, all of your powers, all of your intelligence, all of your strength to be self-serving. You see, it's not really about helping other people out. It's about only bringing glory to yourself. Now, this kind of seems like a really far-fetched thing for us as Christians. How could I be this type of person? But the fact of the matter is, there's a reality that's a possibility for us that's not too far off from this. And that scenario comes to us in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And this is what it says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, am I a noisy gong? I, sorry. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What we have in this passage are some of the qualities that are most sought after in the Christian faith. These are gifts given to people by God that we would all look at and say, there's power in that gift. Right? We look at these things and these are some of the, the, the most important things that a Christian has to offer the world. But if love is not present in them, then we have nothing. Then we have nothing. And what I think that we need to learn from this is why we do something is every bit as important as doing it. Our motivation behind our actions plays a key role in our actions. We're going to look at a couple of verses right now that talk about tithe. And the reason that we're talking about them is because it, it gives a really... Um, 
kind of easy example of what I'm talking about here, but we're going to expand upon this because it goes so much beyond giving, uh, and, and I think that it's important for us as Christians to see that. But we're going to first look at Leviticus 27 through 30, or 2730, and it says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. But scripture also says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, it's not just about giving God what it, he is due, what, what is his, as scripture tells us, the tithe is the Lord, but it's, it's not just about giving that tithe because that's the thing that we have to do. That's the command that was made. It's about desiring in our heart to be a giver. It's about cheerfully giving of ourselves to improve the world around us. See, it's not just enough to check giving off your list. There needs to be a sincere desire to give to others. There needs to be a sincere desire to give to God. Because if we give, but we have not love, then we have nothing. We have nothing. Really what we are is we're just Pharisees. You see, the, the Pharisees were expert list checkers. They checked all of their lists. They, they, and we've talked about this recently, so this isn't like new information for you. I know that. But they checked all of their lists. They checked all the boxes, right? They went through and they filled out all the forms perfectly. They did everything that they were supposed to do, but they didn't do it for the right reasons. They did it to glorify themselves. They did it to bring attention back to themselves on, look how good we are living our lives. Look how upright we are. Look how, how godly we are. But scripture tells us in Luke eleven forty two. but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting others. These you ought to have done without neglecting others. You see, the absence of love is nothing. we got to know that, that the absence of love is nothing. What good is it for you to be able to speak every language, to be able to speak in tongues of men and of angels if you have not love? Our passage today tells us no good at all. What good is it to, to be able to prophesy about the future if it, if it were not doing it to improve the future. If, if we're not doing it because we love others, but rather doing it because it's this cool party trick that we can do, right? Look what I can tell you about the future. You have nothing. What good is it to have a measurable face so that you can tell a mountain move from here to here? Without love, it is still nothing. If you have if you give everything you have, including your life, but again, it's all for your own glory, and there's no love within it, you have nothing. You have nothing. I know that it, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. 
Pastor, how can, I, how can I do all these things and it be nothing? How, how can I give of myself and it be nothing? 1 Peter 4.8, Peter tells believers, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You see, without love, there's no forgiveness. Love is the key ingredient to everything that we do. And so the absence of love truly is nothing. Truly is nothing. And the absence of love is death. The absence of love, frankly, is hell. In 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. What is your relationship with God without love? It's nothing. What type of representation are you for God if you are not loving the world around you? You aren't one. You are like a Pharisee. You are a hypocrite. You are in the wrong. The last thing I want us to know is this. Love is what keeps us together. And it's so much more than a great song. Right? Love is what keeps us together. See, here's the thing. All the things that I mentioned earlier in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, those are spiritual gifts. Those are spiritual gifts, right? The ability to speak in tongues, the ability to prophesy. These things are spiritual gifts. Love is not a spiritual gift. Love is not a spiritual gift. A gift is what's given to us, right? Fruit is what we give to others. And love is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say that one more time. Gifts are what are bestowed or given to us by God. But fruit, what is supposed to come from our relationship with God is what we put out into the world. It's what we give to others. And love is a fruit of the Spirit. You see, when we are truly connected to God, love flows from us. Love guides the use of our gifts. The things that you do and the decisions that you make, are they for you only or are you doing them to glorify God? Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So I want to go back to, to how this connects to what's been on my heart lately. And I want to say before we kind of talk about this, it, it has nothing specifically to do with any one person inside of our church. I want to be very clear on that. It's just what I see from the Christian faith as a whole. From the Christian faith as a whole. 
And it specifically has to do with social media, which you're viewing our service on this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that social media can be a very awesome and useful tool. I mean, first and foremost, it's giving us the ability to broadcast service to you live when we can't meet in person. I think that that's a good thing. It also allows us to connect with friends and family and acquaintances from way in our past and to rebuild and strengthen relationships. But if we're being frank and we're being honest, it can also be used as a tool of the devil. It can be a place where we go to compare ourselves to other and tear down our own self-worth. It can be a place where we leave Christ's love at the door, so to speak, and enter into this realm where we become keyboard warriors who say whatever we think that we have to or need to say. And I worry as Christians sometimes that love doesn't enter the equation when we enter our different apps. We're on Facebook or we're on Instagram or we're on Snapchat. What kind of example are we being to the world around us by the comments that we leave or the posts that we make? Over the past couple years, God has been working in me tremendously with this. You'll see that I use social media very sparingly as far as the things that I post that aren't related to church because in the past, when I've decided to share my opinions, I've often left love at the doorstep, so to speak, and just delivered my thoughts to the world. This is what I think. And I'll tell you, it's some, sometimes... Those thoughts that I've shared, they have, in my opinion, been right. The key word there is my opinion, right? The key phrase, I should say. The things that I've shared at times have been right. And there have been things that I have shared at times that have been wrong. And whether right or wrong, they have both been divisive. They have both caused pain. Now, I don't think that we as Christians are supposed to be pushovers or roll over to every different thought or ideal about how life should be lived. But I do think that it's our job to love first. I do think that it's our duty to make sure that everything that we say and everything that we do, we do so to represent Christ in a manner that would be pleasing to him. Christ was not a man that, that stood by every teaching of the world or of the church in his day and age. But he sought first to fulfill the will of his father. He sought first to obey God and to choose holiness and to love others in such a way that they might find a path to that holiness as well. He still called wrong, wrong. But his motivation 
wasn't to be self-gratifying, wasn't to show how intelligent he was, wasn't to prove that he was right, wasn't to use his rights just because he could. So many of us out there, especially in the church, you know, we, we, we think about things in such a way that we say, well, I, I have a right to, to express my opinion. Freedom of speech. And if they, whoever they are, can express their opinion, then I can certainly express mine. And that always perplexes me a little bit because we're holding ourselves to the same standard that the world would hold itself to. And as Christians, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're supposed to bear with one another and forgive each other. And above all these things, we're supposed to put on love. But I don't think that that's our first inclination anymore. Somewhere along the line in our country, and this was going to get me in trouble, I'm sure, and I have contemplated not saying it, but I'm going to say it anyways. Somewhere along the lines in our country, we have equated Jesus with a politician. And I'm not saying a specific politician. I'm saying we look at Jesus as a politician. We are so incredibly wrapped up in our governmental system and the way that our world in America works that we put Jesus in place of our politicians. And if I'm being honest, those who would be more left-leaning put Jesus on the left side. And those that are more right-leaning put Jesus on the right side. Like somehow Christ would have been a Democrat or Christ would have been a Republican. If Christ was anything, my guess is he'd probably be a libertarian. But honestly, I think what Christ would say is give DC what's DC's and give God what's God's. And his focus would not be in the political realm. But his focus would be the heart of man and what the church is doing to serve the world around it. I don't think that it's sinful to be involved in politics. I think that as citizens of this country, we have an honor and a privilege to participate in our governmental system in the way that a lot of countries don't allow their citizens to participate. And I think that as Christians, it's our duty 
to serve in this capacity in our nation, to make sure that we vote, to make sure that we are seeking to improve the lives of others in any way that we can. But I'm fearful that we are twisting who God is and who Christ is to fit our own personal ideologies. And that's coming out in the world of social media in a way that is dangerous for the church. And this has been on my heart for a long, long time. Now, if you haven't figured out, this is not a continuation of our series Affected that we've been doing the last six weeks. Week seven is going to come at a later date when we can meet in person and do online. But I'm going to tell you that that, that that week is all about how we connect to God and how we live our lives in the world amongst others who aren't believers. And I think that what we're going to see and what we're going to find is that it is so much more important for us to represent Christ in a way that, as I said earlier, paves a way for others to experience the grace of God rather than to just be right all the time. Because remember, just because you have a right or just because you may be right doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Before you post that comment, before you create your own post, before you reply to someone who has replied to you, why are you doing it? What is your motivation? As my mama said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Sometimes the gracious, the loving, the humble, the smart thing to do is to just be quiet. Is to just sit on that thought. Because, as we're going to see when we look at our final week of our series, Affected, every opportunity that we have to live lives among non-believers, whether in person or online, is an opportunity to represent Christ. And I can promise you not that betting is a good thing here, but I would bet everything that I have that at the end of the day, Christ is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
you represented me in a way that made me proud. Rather than Christ saying, well, on January 27th, 2012, I see that you said this. It just popped up in my memories. What I want us to avoid, frankly, is regret. I don't want us to have to look back at a way that we represented ourselves in the world and therefore a way that we represented Christ with regret because it's a terrible feeling. What would Christ do? What would Jesus do? He would love first. He would love first. And I, hopefully that's the choice that you desire to make as well and that I will desire to make as well and that we as a church will make in the world around us. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I hope that this message has resonated with others and that um, I was clear and concise in delivering it. You have been working on my heart, it seems like, for months and months and months about just being a, a good representative of who Christ is in the world around me. My first inclination on so many occasions is to not. It's, it's to yell at the person that cut me off in traffic. It's to reply to that post that just eviscerates Christians for whatever. It's to, to fight and to be the aggressor. And God, while sometimes I feel like that's warranted and sometimes I feel like you were calling us to, to, to do that, I know that first and foremost, Lord, you call us to, to love the world. You call us to be humble and you call us to be compassionate. You call us to be kind. And you make it very clear that our motivations, our motivations are equally, if not more important, than our actions. Why are we doing the things that we do? Why are we making the decisions that we make? If it's not to please you, if it's not to further the kingdom, if it's not to share the love of Christ, then what's the point? Help us to make our heart's desire. Help us to make our heart's desire be to glorify you and you only and to cast everything else to the wayside because it's all temporary and it frankly doesn't matter. At the end of the day, let us live lives according to your scriptures. Let us live lives standing up for what your word says is right even when it's uncomfortable even 
when we don't want to. But first and foremost, above all these things, let us root ourselves in the love of Christ so that we can ensure that our actions and our words and our arguments are coming from a place of love. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.